Hello, iGaming Intelligentsia. Before we start today's podcast, here is a message from our sponsors. The iGaming Next podcast is made possible with the support from our sponsors at Pragmatic Solutions, leaders in intelligent platform technology. I've been working with Ashley, Lewis and the guys over at Pragmatic Solutions over the last year. And as the early supporter of this podcast, I cannot recommend them enough. The Pragmatic Solutions Player Account Management Platform is an incredibly powerful technology stack for today's gaming business. Their modern modular platform provides all the core services to power your business and their SaaS licensing model allows you to reduce cost and accelerate your strategic goals. Enterprise technology with decades of operational know-how at scale built in. Upgrade your business to the Pragmatic Solutions PAM platform. Visit www.pragmatic.solutions to arrange a platform demo. This podcast is brought to you by Kalamba Games, where they build the world's most engaging slots. To find out more about their hit titles, promotional tools, and Bullseye Remote Gaming Server, visit kalambagames.com. I have the privilege of being friends with several of the guys over at Kalamba, and they are fantastic. And I'm not saying that to be invited to one of their legendary office pool parties. Um, or maybe I am. In any case, check out kalambagames.com. Rebel Status are an award-winning boutique headhunting firm within the iGaming space. They have been delivering recruitment and senior search assignments for more than 20 years with industry-leading guarantees and assessments. They are more than just headhunters, with an emphasis on long-term relationships and a foundation that has been built on quality, transparency, and relentless obsession with providing excellence. We, as IGM Next, have been using Rebel Status for our own recruitment, and they have always been great to us, so make sure to check them out. Future trends, deep insights, industry leaders, this is the iGaming Next podcast with your host, Pierre Lindt. And boom, we are live. Nico Nansen, how's it going? Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Weather's kind of good here in Germany. I'm sitting in Munich. How are you, Pierre? How are you? How are things in, in Malta? I mean, I can't complain at uh, all, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, it's like every, every time we do this podcast. It's, I don't know if there's uh, something that goes together with this during the podcast and beautiful weather, but uh, we have that again, and, and uh, this always been the case in the previous episodes too, so uh, so I cannot complain at all. I'm very, very happy, Nico. Um, as a little introduction today, Nico, I wanted to just uh, say how we got to know each other now over the last couple of weeks, and I think this is a, a, a bit of a sunshine story, talking about good weather, um, of, uh, of uh, a silver lining that uh, that is uh, COVID, you know? And, you know, we a couple of weeks ago, we set up me and Carolina Palk set up this uh, clubhouse uh, chat, basically, to uh, to discuss uh, the current topics within the agami industry. Clubhouse being the new social media phenomena, right? Um, which is uh, which is really hot at the moment. And um, and you joined us on the, the the last couple of weeks and chimed in on some really interesting uh, subjects. Uh, and I just thought, you know, during this week that. Uh, 
what a great opportunity to meet people through the uh, through these clubhouse chats and i'm really happy that uh, kind of you uh, you joined this and and um, and we have kind of uh, gotten to know each other so, uh, through that so uh, i'm really happy excited to have you on the podcast for that for that uh, reason actually so uh, first of all just uh, welcome to the podcast and uh, and i hope everything uh, is okay with you in general first of all thanks for having me first of all thanks for having me and it, it's it's quite a strange story if if you just um think about uh, how small our industry actually is, right? I'm in the industry since 2012, 2013, and we never crossed paths. Probably we attended the same events, right? But we we never um, kind of, or have not yet been introduced to each other. And then, you know, with the clubhouse, and uh, first of all, thank you once again to Carolina and you for just setting up the, the talk where actually, um, our small group of experts just meets on a regular basis with interesting topics and each and everyone is just sharing his thoughts, sharing his story. And there's always a value in the uh, in the clubhouse session. So all perfect. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. thanks for that, Nick. And for anyone who wants to join us, by the way, it's uh, Thursdays, 10 a.m. CET uh, on Clubhouse. So we actually created a club now called Agaminex. So if you are on Clubhouse, just uh, search Agaminex and join the club and join me and Nico uh, to to uh, to discuss our, our current topics. So we'd love to have you there. Um, so as a little starting point today, Nico, I mean, today's discussion is a very open-ended big topic that is uh, the iGaming industry in three years you know and uh, like my friend uh, Jesper Scherbeck always says the only people who think that they can predict the futures are the uh, the stock market analysts and they always fail but uh, we're gonna give it our best try today and when we go back I guess in three years we can laugh at how wrong we were about this but nonetheless <laughs> here we go um, so Nico, I mean, as a starting point, uh, you're, you're the CEO of, of Bet It Best. And I mean, feel free to explain a little bit what that is. And then I'd like to ask you, what are your general predictions and what's going to happen to this crazy industry in the next three years? So what we actually do is uh, we're like a price comparison website, uh, price comparison app uh, for the um, iGaming industry, for sports betting industry uh, with one a uh, big difference so we run the kyc we run the amml and the customer stays on our end and we just do the clearing and settlement of the bet on behalf of the customers with uh, our integrated uh, operators and uh, this is what what we actually do, do so um as already introduced i'm quite new to the to the industry um coming from an investment banking background uh joining the industry in 2012 and just uh, you know um being thrown in the water being thrown in the water, being kind of infected with this uh, virus of uh, combining the entertainment of sports and sports betting, being part of the of the game, and uh, just running the business, and that's what we what we actually uh, what we do. So uh, this is how I actually uh, came into the industry, and this is what we're what we're doing. Awesome, that's great to hear. And and um, Nico, so what would you say now? On the staying on the topic, starting with the topic today, the agami industry in in three years' time. Like, what are your general predictions here? Where, what direction do you see the industry taking? So, uh, first of all, we, we will see way more markets being open, uh, way more markets being finalizing their uh, regulations, and then uh, companies are actually uh, exploring these markets, or in the end being legally op operating in these uh, in these markets. So if you just think about the United States of America, um, containing 50 states, 20, roughly 20 of them have already uh, their regulation uh, in place. Uh, 
um, like New York, New Jersey. But if you just think about California as being the biggest state with the uh, biggest GDP has not yet finalized on the regulation. So we will see more and more markets um, being being opening, like also Brazil, uh, which already has a um, kind of a regulatory framework. But we will not see any any um, official um, bet being placed by until 2022. Uh, so this is what uh, what we will see. And if you just think about right, based on a GDP basis. Right, um, roughly uh, 38, 40 percent of the overall uh, world, a uh, worldwide GDP, has not yet agreed on a, a legal basis for gaming or sports betting. Right, so if you just uh, see that state by state, country by country, these um, possibilities will open up. Of course, this will also attract way more and bigger fish to actually uh, join the market. Just remember uh, four or five years ago when the first rumor came up like, okay, the US uh, is about to open um, or include a regulatory framework and people in, in Europe were actually desperately looking forward to enter the US market, which has mainly driven by all the uh, daily fantasy uh, sports companies like the FanDuels, the DraftKings. And out of a sudden, first state opened, and now all the sports betting companies which we have in, in Europe were desperately going over, hopping over to the US. And now all the big companies like the tech companies, the private equity uh, companies, um, the Blackstones just having their deep pockets are, um, um, kind of putting their money into the online gaming uh, industry. So as it had, had been pretty niche when the overall gaming and gambling industry started back in the 90s, now it's lifted to the top and by each and every market being open, being very attractive to investors. And um, the side effect of um, that investment banks literally closed or are not able to uh, kind of run their business as they used to do, investors are looking forward and desperately looking into new opportunities to invest their uh, their capital and that's the thing which will also drive uh, drive the market uh, per se and uh, these are thrilling times these are thrilling times beginning by the um, gaming industry to literally find its purpose right and then how we actually deal with all the side effects of of our industry, then of course there's the comparison to the tobacco and alcohol industry, just pretty close, uh, close to it. And we will just see how the um, kind of former um, dealing in back rooms uh, of hotels, etc., industry will now uh, become um, an, a, a, a very important part of the entertainment um, industry as well. Yeah. So, do you see the do you see the um, local locally regulated uh, markets as kind of the key to bring the gaming industry into a more, let's say, socially accepted future with all that it, that comes with it? Let's say. Exactly. 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 If you just think about um, when the first markets actually uh, opened, first of all, gaming has been banned everywhere right and then market by market country by country they actually uh, opened up um, in the past all the uh, lotteries had been state-owned and if you just remember the gambelli uh, decision back in 20 uh, 23 yeah back in 20, 
when first of all all this uh, uh, monopolies by state-owned had been uh, torn apart and then um, company by company actually left their um, land-based shops behind and entered the online uh, market and country by country opening um, to, to the public. And we're speaking about big countries like, like China, like India, like Canada, right? They are still um, not still not open to actually put the regulator uh, regulation framework in place. As soon as they will open up the market, that's the next level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that, that would take the industry uh, absolutely to the to the next level. Uh, do you think as well, um, Nico? So there, I guess there has been two voices now recently uh, in regards to the locally regulated markets. On the one hand, um, there's the voices that say yes to be able to uh, clean up the industry. We need the local uh, local regulations. But um, on the other hand, there's also voices that are say, that are scared for the locally regulated market being overly regulated, and it's just very difficult to operate in those markets. Do you see that locally regulated markets could also be a threat to the industry? Depends on how how hard actually the regulators push uh, the needle on the on the operators. First of all, regulation usually and always comes into place as soon as a market doesn't regulate itself. Right, and this comes first of all comes along with uh, with player protection, with um, with payments, uh, etc. So, if the market does not agree to actually regulate itself, this will always uh, bring up regulators to actually um, define the boundaries where the market is able to to operate. Right, especially in Germany. Right, the first framework started, or the initiative started back in two thousand and six, and we wow. just released we just released um <laughs> a um, nationwide regulatory framework like last and it took us literally those 15 years to actually come up with a plan how to, to to regulate itself and until then it had been a gray market and as of now we are becoming a white uh, market but if you just um compare our industry with that with other industry uh, industries like the um mobile uh, operating uh, business like the telecoms, the Vodafones, etc. As soon as it came to, um, you know, having a, a, a plan based in, in Germany or in Malta or in Denmark, and if you were have been traveling abroad, these EU roaming costs, it had been insane, right? Yeah. And then it was the regulatory um, telling them, okay, first of all, we give you actually the chance to regulate yourself each and everyone did not care about regulation. And then the European Parliament, the UE, uh, finally decided, okay, these are the boundaries and now you just have to stick to the rules. And I'm pretty sure this will happen on the, especially in the EU, which we actually see. Uh, and this is what, how we came up with a regulatory uh, framework, also for gaming, right? Because first of all, you need to create that, that framework that actually uh, companies being willing to follow that framework are able to follow that framework. Right, and there will always be opportunity to actually follow the rules, um, and hopefully, and fingers crossed, uh, to dry out that black market. Because as soon as revenue is shifting away from a regula uh, regulated market to the black market, which is just one click away, and this is what we always need to keep in mind: there are no kind of um, borders, national borders. It's just one click away. Uh, away. You just use a VPN, and then out of a sudden, you are. Uh, 
somewhere in Asia or wherever, sign up for a casino, sign up for sports betting. So it's also in the interest of, uh, interest of the regular uh, regulators to actually keep the revenues and keep the player protection, what we're all aiming for uh, within their boundaries. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's a great uh, the section of the uh, of the issue here. The fact that uh, the it's in the regulators' interest to uh, to have a sensible regulation uh, for the uh, for the channelization rates to to remain uh, high, obviously. And I guess that's where the, there's been a bit disconnect, perhaps, from the politicians uh, who want to seem strong and they want to uh, regulate the industry uh, harshly. Uh, but uh, then that results then in the channelization rates uh goals uh, going down obviously um so so looking at the us as kind of entering the mix here and and um being in its infancy state by state is opening up and obviously uh, uh, state by state is um uh, locally regulated as well in, in in different ways um what do you think the industry needs to do now you know learning from what's happened in europe with the regulation re regula regulation coming into place in various markets here uh, to um uh, to you know, uh, stay ahead of the curve regulatory-wise in the U.S. So first of all, the, um, I'm pretty sure that that also the uh, uh, regulators are taking a look and having a look at the lessons learned which they uh, had with the first uh, initiative with the uh, um, regulations that uh, came into came into place like uh, New Jersey, New York. Um, Wisconsin, to just to just name name a few, and then based on these lessons learned because the operators uh, obviously follow these rules and follow these rule set and what each and every uh, state and regular uh, regulator is quite keen on is um, getting uh, additional taxes and this is what uh, the industry being in a regulatory framework has always delivered in, in terms of paying the uh, these taxes and um, as long as we follow the the rules of the uh, player protection which will uh, become a, a USP uh, in the United States, then it's quite uh, quite obvious. Just taking this regulatory framework and apply this one um, to your home country, right? Because first of all, all the big players are based, or oh, um, sorry, the former big players used to be uh, located in, in, in Europe, in the EU. And as of now entering the United States, they should also apply this rule set um, to to their uh, home countries as well, and uh, I'm 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 pretty thrilled to just see uh, the impact on the overall uh, regulations on the on the home country markets. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's talk about the player protection here for for a moment, because uh, it's also something we we discussed in in the clubhouse session, right? Um, which is the fact that player protection is now becoming a USP, especially for the for the major uh, players, which at first glance, if you're not a professional in industry, might seem counterintuitive. Like, um, why would uh, an, a gaming company care so much about uh, player protection? Can, can you uh, uh, break that down a bit? What is the logic and the business case behind um, what we are seeing now, which is like a clear trend and shift towards genuine player protection? So first of all, you need to be aware of um, that them uh, that everything you do uh, as an operator might also result in a bad result uh, with respect to pe uh, people um, kind of not being able to distinguish between okay this is a healthy behavior and this is a behavior where should I where I just should uh, stop doing uh, this and if you just uh, if you are pretty aware uh, of this like the kindred group right they they have this initiative that by 
correct me if I'm wrong, by 2023 or 2024, yep. 20, 2023, um, they will reduce the um, prom problem-related revenues uh, to zero percent, right? As of now, they are roughly around four uh, percent. Of course, it's always uh, depending on how you actually define problem-related gambling. But if you just keep that definition, which you have as of today, which leads to four percent of your revenues is related to this kind of um, uh, uh, group of, of 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 revenues. If you just stick to that uh, definition, then it's a very very good thing. And this will also lead to another perception of the overall industry, because as of now, and I'm pretty sure you face this issue as well, um, if you're talking to friends and family and you just tell them, okay, I'm in the gaming industry, they always have this link like, oh, okay, you are making your revenues exclusively uh, from addicts, which is, of, of course, um, some of our customers might be uh, addicted, right? But in, in a, a short, term perspective right you just need or you just uh, aim to increase your revenues uh with all strings attached but in the end and this is what the us is telling us it's not a short-term race it's a long-term marathon right and on a long-term marathon you just need and uh, you're obliged to educate your players right to take care of your players and this is what all um also the investors are, are taking a look at uh, as long as it's long-term revenues and promising revenues, and this is also based on other as uh, stated within my intro, uh, there's still 38% of GDP still waiting for us to explore, right? And uh, if we can get rid of that stigma of just dealing with, with addicts, so then the overall industry uh, will, will have a um, different view from the outside view. Um, and then we we will finally find our purpose as just being and not just being as being an entertaining part of the overall ecosystem. Yeah, and I think um, you know you, you mentioned the thirty eight percent GDP that is uh, still uh, kind of black uh, markets that uh, we're not able to to enter right now. But there's also another way to look at this, which is the fact that um, you know the other sixty two percent that we do access, um, there's still only a fraction. Of the population who do actually um, bet in uh, or play casino or whatever within our within our ecosystem, uh, right? So there's a, even within the locally regulated markets, there's still a huge uh, market out there that is also unexplored, right? And and uh, solving player protection could also mean that we are able to bring in more reputable brands and and uh, and um, as a reputable industry uh, we're able to unlock kind of that part of the population as well uh, who who kind of see the uh, the industry as as, um, as stigmatized at the moment what what do you think about that so this is the ultimate goal to be honest this is the ultimate goal and uh, this depends on um, in the end on 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 two factors first of all the operator being aware of uh, that it's their obligation and second the operators actually spending uh, money on this this purpose so as soon as we can combine these one and two things uh, then i'm happily just looking looking forward to act, uh, actually um, getting rid of this of this stigma uh, and then for an overall more positive way of actually seeing our overall industry of course um, you can um, slice and dice our industry into different verticals, right? Like the lotteries, the casinos, the bingos, 
uh, et cetera. I'm just speaking about the sports betting industry, just the per sports betting industry uh, per se. And um, if we just compare the sports betting industry uh, with the alcohol industry, like for instance, Heineken, right? Uh, if you're watching a Champions League match, they are a sponsor of the, of the Champions League for quite a while, right? And they are um, using the perception of, okay, just share a beer with your friends, having a good time with your friends uh, and having uh, some social uh, activity uh, of course, uh, during the COVID-19 times, um, socially distanced, right? But you can still <laughs> be surrounded by, by your friends and family, right? And um, taking this thought back to the sports betting industry, it's so interesting and so thrilling uh, being part of the game, right? Uh, as of now, there are uh, roughly around two and a half, three thousand people who actually play professional football on a first league um level in uh, all over europe right so these are the the players which which we all see within the fifa um games games uh, etc so it's uh, quite unique and rare to actually become a player uh, standing on the pitch but if we just transport this kind of message okay uh, if you just place a bet on a specific outcome you are still part of the game and this is also the thrilling part which which we should um, emphasize and this is also what I just see as uh, as the purpose, being still part of the game and uh, becoming part of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I couldn't agree with you more there. And I think the 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 connection has to be obvious and natural. So uh, I think that's where Heineken succeeded, right? It's such an obvious connection um, in that they uh, convey in their marketing, uh, which is the fact that you're at the game with your friends, you're having a beer. And you know this is uh, this um, kind of accelerates your emotions or whatever, and and you're having a great time kind of thing. And similarly, like you're saying with the sports uh, betting as well, you're at the game and you're actually being a part of the game. You know, it's the emotions that you 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 want to celebrate. Uh, you know, winning or losing. You know, it's uh, it's it's something that that should be obvious uh, to to everyone. So, um, so you know, is that something that the industry needs to become better at? Kind of. Uh, uh, first of all, defining that purpose, and then secondly, conveying that to the uh, to the um, uh, to the general market. First of all, you already have this kind of initiatives. If you just yeah. um, uh, take a look at how uh, the big operators actually um, advertise um, their offerings to the customers, it's still like okay, people um, exchanging ideas of placing a bet. How how. Uh, you could actually win against the house, win against the operator. And this is, um, in the end, what it should be about, right? Connecting people, connecting thoughts, and just combining people um, and, and following the same, same, same purpose, right? Being part of the game and um, um, kind of telling or estimating how a, how a game uh, should, should end because it's, that's what it's all about in the sports betting industry, right? You're yeah. ahead of the curve and think that you actually know more than the than the operator and um this is this is the purpose which uh, which i see uh the the um companies are aiming for yeah or, or just you know betting with your heart i mean i i i would say that you know take a look at the i thought that was so interesting the um the presidential election uh in the us that took place in november where the odds were so skewed from the reality uh, which actually turned out to be the the election was much closer than was predicted, obviously. But um, 
um, you know, uh, Project 538 and all these uh, aggregators of, um, uh, of odds, they were saying that uh, there's probably about a one in 10 chance that, uh, that Trump will win. This was like the rational, um, you know, thought based on, uh, you know, the real world, so, so to say. But uh, people in general were better more with the hearts in, the, in that regard. Uh, and uh, they felt, you know, Trump, uh, you know, he's everywhere and he's a big figure. He's probably going to win, whatever. And um, I had a, I did a podcast with Matthew Chadek, who is the head of politics of mm. GVC the day before the elections. Right? And he said he has never seen anything like it um in 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 all his 15 years of of um uh, producing odds for uh, for gvc and labbrooks um where the odds were so skewed in one favor and the um, you know the the real odds let's say um were uh, were completely detached from 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 the reality and obviously because the betting volumes were so big on mm -hmm. trump they skewed the odds, you know, to reflect mm -hmm. that, so to, mm -hmm. to, 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 min to minimize the, the the risk, you know. Exactly. Uh, and uh, yeah, and there, there was uh, that was the biggest uh, political or the biggest uh, sports betting event of the Thai year that year, oh, uh, nice. globally. Yeah, yeah, with billions being bet. And, and had Trump won, there would have been a lot of sad faces in the gaming <laughs> industry the next day because there was so much money riding on this, even with the skewed odds. Something like eighty percent of the volume were bet on Trump or something like mm. that. Like crazy mm -hmm. amounts of money were bet on Trump, you know. Uh, so yeah, maybe if that would have happened, we wouldn't have had that much influx of money that we can see now in the industry because there would have been some some pretty bad losses on the on the sports betting fronts there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in interesting stuff, you know. But uh, so so it goes back to the point, you know, that maybe sport betting shouldn't always be about just trying to beat the bookmaker but it should be more about you know going with your feeling adding a little bit of excitement you know if i if i cheer for um from for a Bayern Munich or where, whatever you you like uh, Nico as a German person um you know maybe i do that because i just love the team you know and not because i am like investigating dots so maybe that is where the industry needs to uh, define better so say or, I, or, I don't know maybe we're already there in that regard uh, yeah, yeah it just just depends on um on who you're betting with right so sometimes it's quite the opposite if you just dislike a team like the new england patriots uh, they have a lot of people who actually don't like the patriots uh, the pets and uh, this is why a lot of people actually yeah. bet against the pets right yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's also a chance to just uh, express your inner guts your inner feelings uh, yeah. And this this can all always be reflected in the actual um, betting patterns betting patterns you're, you're actually choosing, yeah. right? And and this should be should be the way to chase regular punters, right? Absolutely. A guy or a girl who who actually just plays a five to ten to twenty euro bet. That's that's that that's it. Doesn't harm anyone, right? Um, but if you just recalculate the numbers and um, see the overall uh, players who are actually willing uh, to play these kind of low volumes right the overall um, uh, revenue is still huge yeah absolutely and so looking now into the into the future so i think we can all agree that this is the the purpose that the agami industry uh, needs to find and that will obviously lead to a brighter future for our industry um so in regards to where the trends are heading now, Nico, and uh, the movement as we are seeing right now, and, and uh, you know, we just talked about player protection becoming a USP and, and these other things. Uh, looking into the crystal ball, then in three years, um, 
how do you see this playing out on this front uh, with the agri industry being more accepted uh, by society? And also, as a follow-up question, do you see that like reputable brands, let's say, you know, ESPN, uh, you know, even even other media companies like CNN or let's say Amazon? Uh, that I know our friend Todd Hasshalter, he was speculating if Amazon will start a casino eventually and just kick everyone's ass, you know. But um, how do you see this playing out in three years' time? Do you think the industry will get to the point where we become socially acceptable and these uh, very reputable uh, brands will actually jump on the bandwagon? So uh, first of all, um, we should just slice and dice each and every industry, right? How we can actually see an industry or how an industry uh, change. And if you just uh, take a look at the five forces uh, model of, of, of Porter, right? Where you just have the uh, uh, competition in the middle and then there are four side effects which actually uh, change the overall uh, outcome of an industry with uh, supplier power, new entrants, uh, threat of substitutes and uh, and the buyer power, right? So this is the overall ecosystem of each and every industry. Taking into account then the underlying of each and every industry, especially uh, of an online industry technology, right? So um, first of all, um, the iOS world has always been open for uh, gaming uh, industry, gaming companies. So you could uh, literally uh, download the app uh, to actually uh, run your, your your sports betting operations, as long as you have been licensed in this uh, territory, and if you just use the technology as the uh, second layer and the overall underlying layer uh, being the regulations, right? And as said, more and more markets are about to actually open up, um, legalizing sports betting. So if the overall environment is very positive then I'm pretty sure uh, that the big tech companies are uh, about to diversify their portfolio and actually enter uh, a market which is which is legal, um, like Google uh, did uh, with, with opening their uh, Google Play Store uh, for sports betting companies, also for uh, online casino, as long as you're regulated and licensed in that specific uh, specific area. So we already see signs of things uh, are being to to change, and um, as as long as um, this continues to do, and we become a ret uh, reputable uh, market and stay ahead of the curve, then there should be no reason for the big tech companies to actually enter the market. You um, named like the CNN, uh, the ESPN, which are the broadcasters. You mentioned the Amazon, but what about Facebook? Right. What about Facebook as they have a market power with their kind of roughly 2.1 billion people using Facebook each and every uh, every month. Right. It's like uh, daily users in the also in the billions. It's crazy. So if one of these heavyweights is actually taking a look in diversifying um, their portfolio, um, then we will see the big, big, big money uh, and the big wallets. Uh, actually being being uh, opening and it's all the tech companies you just name Amazon the Facebooks uh, the Googles uh, etc right and uh, this yeah. is quite thrilling, thrilling times 
yeah, so it's uh, we're talking uh, or Clubhouse for that matter. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I don't know how you were bet on Clubhouse, but anyway. Um, but I mean, what we're talking about here is like a paradigm shift or the massive disruption uh, uh, of the industry, right? And, and um, it's something that uh, again, our, our friend Todd Hasalter he talked about this in 2019 at Agami Next. Um, you know, what could disrupt the Agami industry? And uh, he said, you know, it's a healthy. Uh, conversation to have sometimes you know uh, um, if you go back to the 90s again like you mentioned where the um, online gaming industry was born and you would have asked on uh, a land-based casino what is the biggest threat to our industry uh, they probably would have said you know uh, some investors building a new Las Vegas in Spain or something like that in Macau uh, <laughs> yeah in Macau yeah there we go uh, uh, yeah which which is which is uh, in a sense yes they are right about that but they are they are missing the the forest for the trees in the, uh, in in that respect, right? For not uh, seeing what uh, what uh, what the technological advancements will be and and uh, what where the trends are heading and so forth and where where the internet then uh, could bring to the industry and and similarly here, you know, if we talk about the industry now, if the trend now is heading towards the industry cleaning itself up, you know, you, at first glance, if you are you know battery six five or uh, or or the GVCs of this world, you would think that this is a great thing for us because it means that we are unlocking a, a bigger part of the uh, population as a potential demographic of ours. But then at second glance, you would think that maybe this is allowing these massive players to enter the market. Uh, and if they do, and they decide to do it on an exclusive basis, so let's say Amazon starts Amazon Casino and just ring fences the entire market, um, you know, what happens then to the Bet365 and the GVCs? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What are your thoughts? Big so, questions here. No, 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 no. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's a great question. It's a great, uh, great uh, question. And uh, we should always or oh, just have a look at other industries, right? How actually an industry uh, had an external shock. If you just think about in 2003, which is way, way, way back, right? Um, based on the... Um, rocket uh, Columbia being explode, uh, exploded, right? So the NASA laid off a lot of people, a lot of smart people who actually um, had been great, great, great uh, people dealing with, with numbers, etc. And they actually touched down at investment banking, right? And this actually um, was, was based on this kind of external shock, right? And out of a sudden, all this automatic trading, algo trading, became a thing in the in the uh, in the um, banking industry right taking this kind of thought to the next level if you just think about five years back in time automotive industry right if you're talking about the uh, Volkswagens uh, the kind of rovers the kind of Porsche etc right ask Volkswagen okay where will be in this, uh, where will the industry be in uh, the next five years they're like okay we will still de be deal with engines powered by fuel right and yes. out of a sudden this crazy guy from <laughs> South Africa Elon Musk passing uh, um, over um, to to California he literally put all his efforts into Tesla right and out of a sudden the overall game just changed right also with an external uh, dis disruptor and this will also be the case within each and every uh, industry uh, as well right uh, so you will always uh, have this kind of uh, competition and sometimes you will have an external factor 
and then the I wouldn't consider this as as being arrogance uh, with respect to you're leading the pack. You're you're a tier one operator like the bet three six five. You just you just uh, mentioned William had been a tier one operator as well. And out of a sudden, uh, the Caesar Entertainment Group just comes along the way and actually buys this kind of uh, uh, well-known industry uh, player. Right. And this is what what can always happen. And in the end, innovation and keeping move or keep moving things forward is always a good thing. Right. Absolutely. You, I, you just have to stay ahead of the curve, I guess, and and, um, and not become the blockbuster, the blockbuster of this world, uh, let's say, uh, against Netflix, you know, blockbuster having all the opportunities in the world to take over the streaming uh, market, but uh, not recognizing the trends. Uh, in time and um, eventually they were not able to move and uh, eventually died as an organization from being you know a multi-billion uh, dollar company and, and there's another interesting statistic as well that um, uh, you know the, the companies in the in the S&P 500 in the year 2000 there's like a majority of them don't exist anymore you know <laughs> exactly so, exactly yeah. exactly or, are... or, or all the yeah, bookshops right all the bookshops right and then all mm. of a sudden an Amazon just appears Right. Yeah. And they just take away your, your revenue. So if you start uh, innovating, right, then you're not staying ahead of the curve. And then just the competition, uh, they will literally um, kind of dry you out. And just uh, just remember when Netflix uh, was on the for sale market for 10 million. So you could <laughs> have bought Netflix for 10 million and out of a sudden they it just probably changed the business model they had been funded in a, in a better way and all of a sudden they are now uh, way ahead of the curve with the netflix with the amazon with the disney plus right yeah. and so we we uh, coming back to to our industry right so as soon as you don't innovate properly as soon as you don't explore uh, additional market and as soon as you um don't take your customer uh, basis or as long no not as long as soon as you don't take your customer basis for granted with respect i don't need to take care of my customers anymore then your customers will actually um go away as it's literally just one click for another operator right and if you just uh take a look at all the big companies and all big brands which used to be uh in our uh, in our industry like the b wins uh, out of there right leading the curve it was um greatly invented by 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 Carsten, uh, who is now the uh, CEO and founder of uh, not the founder, but the CEO of, of Sportrader. He just invested into two uh, Nordic guys, which just had a great idea of turning that he's now leading the pack with the uh, statistics uh, uh, providing. Um, and this is what it's uh, what it's all about. See potential, believe in the potential and then just uh, go straight forward and actually um exploring this this potential yeah absolutely and you know maybe the game industry has been in kind of a honeymoon phase as well being a new industry in general you know we haven't really seen any disruptive events to ourselves you know we've, we've seen paradigm shifts right from desktop to mobile for example was a was a paradigm shift but it didn't really have any impact on the major uh, operators some of them were later than others you know and that's how leo vegas was born right they were the first to uh, to understand that uh, mobile is the future and hence they managed to grow rapidly but um in the end of the day 
uh, it wasn't a disruptive event for the uh, for the operators uh, now ten years later. But um, so maybe maybe we have become a little bit um, uh, let's say spoiled in that regard that uh, we 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 don't really know how to think about uh, real disruption that other industries have been forced to do. Uh, you know, you mentioned a couple of examples. I mean, Nokia is a great uh, other example who were on top exactly. of the world. And and then they they lost their eye on the ball and and the entire company uh, crashed obviously. But um, you know, so so looking into uh, looking into the crystal ball because there's so many disruptive technologies in the next three years that we'll see maturing. And I I would say like five G uh, as an example being one of them. You know, who who can radically change the world. I mean, look at the difference between. Uh, 2G and 3G, how that completely changed the world. And now we are looking at a new paradigm shift here from 4G to 5G, which is um, going to change the world in ways we don't understand yet, right? And, and um, so, uh, so, you know, what will that mean for our industry and how can we leverage it or how can our other people leverage it and, and in combination with the fact that, uh, you know, we are moving into a, to a future uh, that is potentially uh, looking um, uh, like uh, we are going to clean up our reputation, and that also, like we said, can potentially bring in um, uh, bring in other industries. And I, 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 I've lifted this before in the podcast, but I have an example of I have a prediction what I think will happen in the next three years on the sports betting side. That's of interest to you, obviously, Nico. Um, I think that with the move that Dawson just made with uh, hiring Shay Segev from GVC. I think that's a clear strategic move to uh, uh, to potentially uh, bring in uh, sports betting into their platform uh, and therefore cutting the middleman. Let's say you don't mm -hmm. need to have two accounts; you 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 can just bet uh, directly into the Dalsen's uh, platform, and uh, hence that bringing in a new demographic as well. And what happens if they do that? And then, like, like we mentioned before, ESPN Plus it's another platform. Uh, why wouldn't they flip the switch uh, if, if now I mean we're speculating, but if Dasen would do that, um, that might provide a massive paradigm shift and, and um, that all of a sudden for the general daily sports better, uh, you don't really have a reason anymore to create an account about 365. If you're anyway are subscribing to Dasen and you're anyway have the opportunity to, to play sports betting there as well. You know, I mean, there's a lot of different angles into what can happen. 100% agreed, right? But um, just just take into account that even Sky and Sky Betting, right? Um, literally, they set up the uh, Sky Betting platform, being uh, in the end uh, linked to the um, uh, to the uh, TV network uh, as well. But um, continuing with uh, with the Zone, uh, who who's actually um, originated from from the Perform Group. Uh, uh, right, they are uh, in the end holding all the media rights, and they are just diversifying um, th their portfolio. So this will be very, very interesting to have a look mm -hmm. at it. Right, and uh, as of now, or two or three years ago, I'm I'm pretty sure it's still uh, still the same. Bet three six five, they had been buying all the media they just needed to operate their their business, also from the perform group. Right, and uh, they were the number one customer, right? And as soon as the zone is now switching the the kind of uh, we rely on you, and now you rely on us as we're a competitor <laughs> in your in your uh, um, in the end backyard. This will be very very interesting uh, to see. And in the end, uh, I'm pretty sure that Denise is still well funded. 
um, better funded that uh, probably um, the perform group uh, actually is. So as long as um, these um, guys and girls and all these entrepreneurs are aware of uh, of this and uh, just imagine 20 years ago I'm, I'm pretty sure it was this week or last week when uh, bet365 had their uh, 20 years being operating so tw 20 years ago each and everyone uh, was thinking uh, that denise is crazy because she sh literally shut down all the um, land-based shops they had and she was literally jumping into the online uh, online uh, world and obviously uh, she su uh, succeeded uh, so although she did not yet or in the end you can't change the past she did not uh, process the overall first online bet which had been processed by intertops uh, from a finland guy uh, right who was just literally uh, betting um, 50 dollars on uh, tottenham uh, winning a winning a match with a very very small <laughs> odd but uh, this is actually um, how things have changed how things yeah. have changed and uh, getting back uh, to your uh, to your point this is also very very interesting right it's still related to this to this uh, underlying events of sports right seeing sports uh, and then all the side effects all the businesses which are literally uh, linked to this kind of um, this uh, this kind of um, underlying events and and uh, this uh, for sure will will not change but uh, getting back to the point with uh, technology and 5 5g maybe within uh, the next um, time uh, span we will also see based on the on the 5g different ways to actually uh, place a sports bet right being or taking over the view of a of a player in esports it's still uh, already possible taking into account all the different twitch uh, uh, channels um, and maybe we will just see this one in the sports betting industry um, as well. So there's a lot of potential. As of now, uh, of course, the revenue driver is uh, is, is football with 65-68%, uh, but there are also niche sports who will actually um, or have the chance uh, to actually um, become a, a way more revenue driver like table tennis did during the the lockdown and when you had literally no football matches being played and out of a sudden um, people actually found the law for for tennis mm -hmm. and uh, it's it's always uh, thrilling times and I just keep my fingers crossed that everything will work out yeah exactly it's very interesting times right now it feels like we're just behind these uh types of paradigm shifts and you know just going back to the uh, one last point on the um on the 5g you know um it's the same thing there when when we think about how can that technology uh you know disrupt our industry you would think okay 5g gaming what is the natural connection do we need internet speeds to bet quicker i mean but um just think about this um it was actually a report that came out today um, that rumored uh, Apple's next product uh, or next paradigm shifting product, which is the fact that they are they, they are rumored to release AR glasses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and um, these AR glasses are rumored to only weigh 140 gram. Uh, and you're like, how is that possible that they can make these glasses as light as normal glasses? But then then you realize, you know, because if 5G um, if, if 5G uh, takes foothold, and, or when it takes foothold rather, and the, uh, the technology matures, that means that you'll be able to offload the actual processing uh, that goes on in the technology from the glasses. So you won't have an actual processor in the glasses. That will happen externally in the cloud, right? So um, 
So, uh, so you can have, you know, a supercomputer power your glasses because uh, with the speed of 5G, you'll uh, basically be able to uh, to have that computing power in real time in your your glasses. So the only thing that the glasses need to do is to be a receiver, right? And um, if you can ab enable that type of technology, it means that when you're at a sports stadium wearing your Apple AR glasses for 1,500 euro or whatever, they're going to overprice it up. Um, <laughs> then um, maybe you will be able to see live odds as they happen in the glasses in the stadium, or you know you will have a little icon over every player's head, you know, saying uh, what is the odds for this um, player scoring the next goal or something like that, or just giving you general information. That is the type of uh, technology that we that is going to change the world and also change our industry. Uh, so I just, I just thought that was a quite interesting. I just saw that report today and, and thought that that could be something that the industry needs to uh, look out for. Exactly. They literally took over the idea of Google Glass, right? In the end, yes. Google has, the has, uh, mm. had been kind of trying to, to find a solution with this kind of uh, Google Glass. I think they had um, Google Glass 1 and Google Glass 2. But in the end, it, it literally all comes up uh, to, uh, to, to one thing how small you can actually make a uh, make a device right maybe within the next uh, five five years we are not speaking about uh, uh, glasses anymore we are just speaking about lenses which you actually put into your uh, into your eyeball and uh, this will also yeah. be quite quite interesting uh, in in the end processing data as you mentioned uh, the actual uh, processing happens in real time uh, somewhere in in the cloud and this is opportunity for each and everything yeah, exactly. And, uh, and that's also leads to the next question, which is if, if these glasses are just receivers, um, you know, you can make the same uh, example to your computer and to your phone. Um, your, yeah, your phone will just become a fancy receiver eventually <laughs> when, when the speed of the of 5G and, and, um, and, the, and the cloud become powerful and, and uh, uh, mature enough, uh, basically. And then we're looking at, you know, processing power in your phone again, of a supercomputer, potentially. Just like you're buying storage now in the cloud, maybe you are buying computer power in the, uh, in the, in the future. And what's that, what's that going to have for an effect in the agri industry is only for us to speculate, I think. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Then, then yeah. we, uh, we were talking about dealers, and as you mentioned, that you um, actually, while sitting in the, in the arena, in the, in the stadium, um, having, having a look at a, a specific uh match be, being operated you just see uh the odds on top of the of the player which is yeah. <laughs> uh as of now it just sounds odd as of now it just sounds odd but uh maybe that's that's the next uh, in three next years time yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Three years with time. augmented reality etc and and we will just see right who would have thought like 14 months <laughs> ago like ah okay we need all uh we need the exhibitions we need to see face-to-face -face, uh uh people etc 40 months later, we're all sitting in home office and the, uh, the business is eating. Now it's clubhouse. Who knows what will happen within the next, uh, next three years? Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, who knows? The next clubhouse 2.0, who, who knows what, what it's going to be? What, what do you think is the most likely, Nico? Uh, Kindred reaching 0% uh, uh, revenue from her from gambling or will have the AR glasses 2024 with the sports betting opportunities in the stadium? <laughs> So I'm I'm pretty sure that uh, that uh, that Kindred is doing uh, is doing a great uh, great job. Of course, uh, uh, this this raises the pressure as soon as you just uh, come out or come up with a claim like this, 
right? Because as 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 long as you're kind of internally um, speaking about things that you want to reduce things, you can still kind of um, uh, release a, a, or come up with a press release. Ah, okay, we did not uh, um, do it in the way we intended it to do, but you can still slice and dice it. But that's as they have been yeah. very, very in terms of positive, aggressive, positively aggressive in naming this kind of target. I am pretty sure that they're willing willing uh, uh, to do this by actually um, still listening to the solution of uh, problem-related uh, revenues and problem-related uh, uh, gaming. And this kind of 4%, I'm pretty sure that they will be able to tackle this kind of uh, 4% within the next uh, two, two and a half years of time. Uh, and this this is this will be a good thing for the overall perception of, of our beautiful industry. Um, and they are just paving the way. Right. And it just yeah. takes these kind of odd and crazy sounding uh, statements to actually move things forward. Absolutely. Very, very interesting. It would be to follow the, the progression here on, on both fronts, uh, actually. Uh, I have a, a, a last topic that I wanted to, uh, to talk to you uh, about today as well, Nico, which is the uh, if we now look at the stock market and um, you know, the stock market in general being, I mean, going absolutely crazy right now. There's a lot of influx of money into the stock market. Obviously, the US uh, uh, pumping in a lot of money into the system, yes. which uh, part of it is going into the, the stock market. And it's becoming a thing now for the, um, for the general uh, daily layman to invest in the stock market as well, which also driving revenue um, into, into the stock market. Uh, if we look at the um, iGaming industry specifically uh, and take Evolution as an example, Evolution Gaming or Evolution Global, as they, as they call themselves now. Um, the the market cap of evolution and uh, if you if you take the pe number basically um, uh, how many times does the does evolution like uh, how many years will it take for evolution to just to to earn revenue to pay their own market cap uh, uh, you 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 are looking at a, a pe number of 80 plus years right now so it, that means that if you want to buy evolution you need to pay 80 years worth of uh, the uh, worth of the revenue that evolution yeah. had in the in the yeah. last 12 yeah. months um you know do, do you think this is sustainable is it justified uh it's not the same for all like i mean uh, companies i, I must say uh, betson for example has a much lower p number but there are some examples of this with this 80 plus uh p numbers in the agami industry uh how do you how do you view this what's your opinion so uh, first of all uh, we shouldn't consider the, the stock market and stock market rallies and the pricing we actually see as being pretty reliable. First of all, when, when I've been introduced into the uh, understanding of investment banking and how a stock market uh, price should ex actually reflect reality, right? It's <laughs> like, okay, well, what is reflected? Okay, it's uh, first of all, it's the, um, the um, industry knowledge you have. It's like the... Uh, uh, properties you have, it's the patents you're you're holding, it's your IPO, right? And um, then it, it kind of came up with, okay, it's a promise to the future. And this is uh, also something which you need to take into account as soon as you kind of um, calculate the, uh, the pricing for stock markets. As of now, overall in the world, stock markets are going nuts, right? If you just think about the stock market price for Tesla, uh, is double the times of Volkswagen and BMW and uh, Mercedes-Benz probably, <laughs> uh, and and this is what what what, what is just, just just crazy. But 
getting uh, getting back to the uh, point when we have been talking about the uh, the US and companies actually uh, exploring the US and still roughly 40% of the overall global GDP not being touched yet plus that um, and this is the point where, where which you uh, mentioned that even the the 60% which we are already tackling with the uh, offerings we have we can still gain more revenues with the with the existing market. It's just a promise into the future. And uh, as you have uh, um, said, I, I wouldn't state like probably uh, the Betson Group um, has a less promising future like uh, like Evolution Gaming. But in the end, the overall industry um, is is uh, pretty serious and. Um, becoming serious money, right? If you just think about all the M&A activities like 10 or 15 years ago and the um, the overall amount of unicorns we actually had within our industry and this just uh, this has changed drastically within the last five or seven years. Also based on all the private equity companies from the US entering the markets with their deep pockets. So as of now, we have a lot of companies who are actually unicorns? Just think about Sports Radar, right? They uh, are um, probably, although they will all always deny it, uh, thinking about doing an IPO, and their estimated overall value as of now is roughly around 12 billion euros, which is crazy. Wow. But this also shows and indicates um, what opportunity is just around the corner for our overall industry. Yeah. Is, is it also, do you think it's also a reaction from the market that um, the agami industry turned out to be both pandemic proof, which is a new expression, I guess, and also recession proof at the same time? So uh, do, you think that, do you think that plays a part of it as well, why we see these high PE numbers within the industry? Yes, for sure. For sure. Usually, as soon as uh, economy goes down, the revenues of uh, gaming uh, are go going up. Right. As of now, and this is what we have seen in, 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 in Germany, if you just take a look at the uh, official numbers which have been broadcasted by the Deutsche Sportwettenverband, right, you could see a drop in March and April because usually April and May are the, um, are the strongest month uh, within the sports betting industry. How come? Because it's all the finals, right? All the, uh, all the uh, European leagues come to an end. You have the uh, Champions League. Uh, half final, you have the final, so everything comes to an end, and this is where the uh, where the revenues are, are generated. This is um, where um, a good year distinguishes itself from a uh, from a not so good year. And if you just take away these two months, uh, where where you uh, had literally no games being played, of course you have a uh, you're going down. The curve is going down, and this is what we what we um, have actually seen. But in the end, and over the time span of the overall year, uh, the overall curve had been uh, within the uh, the amount or the revenues of the of the last year. So um, as said, so we are uh, pretty uh, crisis proof and pan pandemic proof. <laughs> Brilliant. So as a, as a closing uh, thought uh, today, Nico, uh, I mean, now we, we, uh, uh, it's, 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 it's a lot of sunrise and, and roses here today uh, for the agami industry, but uh, can we be a little bit specific and say who will be the winners and who will be the losers? Now, now we come down to the real predictions uh, here, and then we can go back in three years and say that we were completely wrong about this. Who do you, what do you think? Do you have any predictions? 
Um, I'm pretty sure, first of all, um, that as soon as it comes to the purpose, um, that the overall gaming industry just needs to take that purpose uh, pretty serious. And then if we take this um, um, purpose serious, the overall winner will be the players, right? First of all, the players. Uh, that we as the operators will come up with a solution to actually help them to keep it more entertaining, the overall uh, industry. And um, so I'm pretty sure it will be uh, will be uh, the player who will be one of the winners. I wouldn't name any companies uh, per se, but we <laughs> will see uh, some of the companies who actually placed the first bet. Uh, maybe there are rumors going around that they will uh, enter the um, the markets uh, again, but for for sure one thing uh, which will be uh, a loser will be the black market. If regulation continues in the pace as it's uh, continuing as of now, and um, people are actually taking uh, all these uh, side effects of um, becoming a legit market uh, as well, and then the black market will be one of the of the losers. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's well put to uh, to to say. You know, if uh, these these things happen, then one plus one is two type of thing. And as a closing thought today, I thought um, uh, just an example of you know when predictions can go both right and wrong. Um, there is a brilliant um, discussion between Bill Gates and Steve Jobs back in two thousand five, I think, um, in the in the conference that's called All Things Digital. This is. Um, a full talk that's available on YouTube, and I highly recommend anyone to, to to view it because it really goes to show the brilliance of Steve Jobs, particularly. So they were asked the question in this panel. So there was just a fireside chat between the three, and um, they were asked the question: You know, what do you think? Uh, what are your predictions for technology in a, in in the next couple of years? You know, and um, you know, Bill Gates is a much more systematic thinker, right? So he sees things in steps. And for him, it was quite obvious what the future would be. Uh, he said, you know, uh, the predictions, in, the the, um, the advancements in production technology uh, and merging our life with technology will basically mean that in a couple of years, um, whenever you enter your house, you will see uh, like all your walls in your uh, in your living room will be predictions, you know, and you can interact with these predictions. You can you can see what the weather is going to be like. You can see the TV, and and uh, and uh, this is like him thinking that we're going to merge with uh, with technology, and one plus one is two in his systematic way of thinking. Now, you know, we can say that now that like, yeah, that obviously did not happen, not even remotely close to anything like that. Um, and even the moderator uh, follow up uh, statement to that was like. Can I be in a room where there's no predictors? Uh, you know, mm -hmm. jokingly, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and um, you know because that's in the end of the day, uh, you know, we we maybe want not want to be that immersed in technology, and then compare that to Steve Jobs' answer. So he did not want to give any specific, very detailed answer to this question. But what he did say is that he thinks that the um, the era of the personal computer. Uh, uh, is going to be over, like the, the personal, the, the PC uh, era is going to be over and it's going to be replaced by something new and something much more uh, uh, personable, uh, let's mm. say. And he knew that uh, that uh, there was a paradigm shift that was about to happen, which turned out to be, you know, touch screens and, and these other things. And that will completely uh, change, the, change the landscape. He didn't predict 
or he did, maybe he knew already at 2005 probably that smartphone is going to be uh, the next technology, but he didn't want to say it, I guess, in that in that conference. But he knew that the era of the PC, which at that time had massive, um, uh, you know, market cap, uh, would eventually be over, and that turned out to be true. You know. Yeah, there was this little one more thing. Right. There yes. Was this exactly. Little, and one more, uh, one more thing. How Apple usually just uh, makes a secret out of everything. Also yeah. with their Apple, Apple Car, the Titanium uh, project, yeah. or as you have uh, stated, with the, car. with the, uh, with mm. the glasses. Right. Mm. But what is your prediction on uh, the winners and losers <laughs> of the uh, gaming industry within the next uh, three years? Uh, all right, Nico. Okay. So um, my prediction, I would say, is uh, is uh, similar to to yours. You know, it's gonna be. It's going to be a massive change in industry, I think, based on what we have talked about in this podcast, which is the fact that uh, player protection is becoming a USB. What will that mean for the future? I think we're already seeing uh, reputable brands entering the market, Foxbet being one of them. I think uh, just um, the fact that a brand like that is entering the mix uh, is, uh, is a clear indication of where, where mm. things are going. So that would be a prediction number one. I think that we will see reputable brands entering the, uh, the, the market. And, and you know, prediction number two is, uh, is uh, emerging technology. Uh, in general, I, I think that uh, the winners will be the ones who are having these discussions, like you and me are having right now. <laughs> or for the people who are listening, will also be the winners um, who can who can perhaps take this discussion um, uh, and the points that we discussed today. And you know, they maybe one of them will be the person who tomorrow goes out uh, with their dog and and come up and goes out on a long walk and comes up with the next. Uh, Amazing idea based on the emerging technology uh, that uh, that we will be seeing in the in the next couple of years. 5G being one of them, that is, you know, a, a more obvious example. But maybe there are examples that we don't see right now. Mm-hmm. And even further than emerging technology, it could also be the cultural shift that we are looking at right now. Um, you know, ESG type matters where uh, where the winner seems to be organizations that will take uh, corporate responsibility uh, that are sustainable that are environmentally friendly and uh, and socially responsible which is more relevant for the gaming industry like kindred for example mm-hmm. i think i think definitely kindred have taken the first step now to be one of the winners in a couple of years and it might seem like a very bold and crazy move on their behalf how are they going to be able to do this but i think that if they're going to emerge as the winners they have to do it now you know that is the that is ethos, I think. And if you are not following suit to Kindred, I think then you will be one of the losers. Um, so those will be my very humble predictions. And I'm looking forward to go back to this conversation and just say, "Oh my God, what were we talking about?" But yeah, <laughs> anyway, <that's it. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How could you miss this obvious, obvious thing? You know, but um, but that's the way things are. You know, the the paradigm shift seems obvious after they happen, but not so obvious before they happen. Exactly. So, Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. It's always quite easy to um, yeah. give a prediction ex post, right? Saying like, okay, yeah. so um, from a Sunday perspective, the Saturday matches uh, results are X, Y, Z because you already know them. But knowing the results uh, of the matches ex ante <laughs> would be quite right. <laughs> it would be quite nice. So yeah, we will see, exactly. but it's uh, it's it's still thrilling times. It had been uh, thrilling times back in the '90s when the overall uh, industry uh, of the online industry actually started, because the gaming industry uh, is 
way older than the both of us are combined. <laughs> but uh, in the end, it uh, have always been thrilling times and it will be thrilling times. And we will see uh, a lot of shifts, maybe into this direction, maybe into that direction. Uh, virtual reality once had been a big thing in the um, in the kind of estimates uh, as of now, I don't see any virtual reality casinos around uh, uh, around us um, again. Maybe this will come up with a 5G uh, again with the glasses. We don't know yet, uh, but as long as we are receptive to uh, to change and changes, uh, then we can still be part of the uh, game and not being left behind. And this is what we should all be looking for. Absolutely. Maybe we can ask the Denise Coates to put up some odds on Battle 365 of the next uh, Paradigm Ships. Who knows? Nico? Yeah, I will give her a ring later. I will give her a ring later and then I will tell you what she answered. (laughs) Oscar. Nico, it's been an absolute pleasure today. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. We can talk for hours about this and it's an interesting subject. Uh, So, so yeah, thank you. Let's do it again soon, buddy. Okay, we will. Okay, have a lovely day and uh, stay healthy also to the audience. Stay healthy, yes. uh, also from your mind perspective. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for the time. Thank Thanks you so much. Me. Thank you. Bye, everyone.